0: Fire. I'm your host, Michelle Thomas. It's been a little bit of a break. Um, An episode of COVID back in October um, derailed a couple things, but um, I have those guests hopefully coming uh, this winter in January, so stay tuned. Um, As I'm sure all of you know listening, um, there's been some goings on. Um, In the news that I wanted to make time for, um, to have an episode about, um, even though it was Christmas time and Hanukkah time and end of the year time and um, all of that, to fit in um, this chat over the holidays. And of course, I'm talking about the um, Israeli Palestinian conflict right now. And I'm very lucky to have a friend, um, Dina, who was willing to come in and talk about, um, the history, um, you know, her perspective, her opinion. Um, she would say she's not an expert. I think she's, you know, um, knows a lot more than, uh, most of us Americans do. Um, Dean is from Egypt and so she's had kind of a front row seat to, um, what has led to this moment. Um, you know, in history she knows a lot about it and I wanted to, I guess, use this small platform that I have to um, to get her voice out there. Um, she is part of a group in the area called Driftless Palestinian Solidarity, um, which she talks about. I actually did try to look them up on Facebook and it might be a private group because I wasn't able to find it. So if anyone, does find it or knows how to find it? Um, please let me know because I wasn't able to to find it. But I know they're meeting here in the Veragua area. Anyway, so please enjoy uh, this episode. I hope you find it informative and um, hopeful and clear about what the path forward might look like. Um, here's my conversation with Dina Yaya. Good morning, Dina. Thanks for coming. Good morning. Welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. Glad to
0: have you. Alright, I guess before we get into the meat of everything, can you kind of introduce yourself? Um,
1: who you are, what you do, how you got to the Driftless area? Uh, uh, I can do that. Uh, I'm, my name is Dina Yahya. I am um, a mother of three. I'm Ina Sinan and Rawi. Um, I came to the area, the first time I ever visited the area was in 2009. I came with my then uh secret boyfriend, Cole Agar, who lives just (laughs) outside of, at the time, had lived just outside of Waspi. And that was my first experience of it. And I've been coming back and forth. And that was actually my first time ever to the US. I've never been to the US before. Where are you from? from? I'm from Egypt, right? Yes. I'm I'm from Egypt. I'm an Egyptian up until, um, I mean, I am still an Egyptian, but I just got my citizenship in early November. Did you really? I did. Wow. I did. Was that... F- a no brainer for you?
0: Was that hard to decide? It was, what was very the- hard. It was okay. very hard. Because I, I don't know what the benefits are, you know, or like if you feel like, ugh, like this would just be easier if I was a citizen. What went into your decision to the
1: it was definitely like I, I am very much like Egyptian. I identify as an Egyptian. That's a big part of my identity and it was very hard and I have ideological oppositions to like getting doing a different like citizenship and it wasn't until i had conversation with a good more like seasoned friend who an older friend who was like a piece of paper does not define who you are this is going to make your life easier because Mm. as it is on an egyptian passport if i have to travel any anywhere i have to apply for a visa particularly difficult for you You have to like submit your papers and they could accept or reject and then you have and it's very difficult given that like especially now that we're living in the U.S. and I had a green card before that so I could work and could do all the things but I couldn't vote and it made life traveling more difficult so if we had a layover in London coal and the kids could go out on their American passports then I would have to like stay at the airport which we didn't do often but like you can't I can't just go places. Mm. You have to get permission. Gotcha. So. Yeah. That should make... I haven't... I applied for a passport. I got my passport and I haven't used it yet. Yeah. But uh, definitely after passing the like exam, I had like a very weird, trippy, depressed episode. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, because part of that I've heard, right, is you have to like denounce your...
1: No, we... You, you don't do, have to do that you anymore. You don't. I wouldn't have done it if I had
0: Right. To. That's what I... Because yeah. someone, gosh, I just recently heard this on a different podcast, where they said that you did, but that they don't really care. Because I was like, well, you can have dual citizenship, right? You can. You can, okay.
1: depends yeah. on the country, like Germany, you can't. Oh, uh, sure, okay. If you get German citizenship, you have to denounce it, and they're like changing the laws now. Oh, okay. Uh, but in the U.S., as far as I understand, like yeah. no one asked me to denounce anything.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, good. And are your children dual citizens? Yep. Then? Yeah. all of them. Yeah, great. All right. So, um what do you do? Like what was your education academic course?
1: Um I went to university in Egypt. I was poly sci. That's where I met Cole. He came to Egypt. I didn't come here. I know
0: actually uh, I think Chris was just talking to him recently and kind of getting some of that background and he's like well, like why did you go to undergrad in yeah. Egypt? Like yeah. maybe graduate school or a doctorate would send you away, but to go straight from high school to Egypt is quite the leap. Or yeah,
1: I think actually one of Cole's go-to answers with that is that it was in the aftermath of the Iraq War mm. and he uh, didn't know Palestine from Pakistan and yeah. he felt like... Being in the region was yeah. the right thing to do to get like a better perspective that he wouldn't otherwise be able to get. Sure, in the U.S.
0: Yeah, that's such an American. I mean, I kind of like smirked, but as an 18-year-old, that would have 100% yeah. been true like for me. A
1: oh. small-town vlog, yeah, totally. Big decision.
0: Well, and I would say, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this. Is even just like um, when I'm when I've ever been abroad, the amount of news that is covered internationally. Is like oh, there's stuff going on in Africa. There's stuff going on in China. There's stuff going on in Kazakhstan. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And in the U.S., it's like gets such a little blip of like three major stories that might be going on internationally at the time, but there isn't like a general like um, like continuity over days and caring about really what's going on in the rest of the world. So I just think we're also just completely sheltered from. Um, international news unless it makes giant headlines.
1: Giant know. headlines.
0: Yeah. And Is that true in Egypt?
1: Depends on your source, too. For sure. But for Egypt, there's the an extra, extra layer of like the government specifically. It's not like you, you have your Egyptian news and those you, there's an extra layer of the government being uh, like censoring, censoring oh, that sure. type of news. So you have like certain outlets that would be critical of the government or cover certain things like Palestine, that would be censored in Egypt and you wouldn't be able to like open up the website if you're there you have to have like a VPN or whatnot because they're blocked sure but um there's in general I like I feel like every country is going to be like like focused on its own things and the things that are happening in the region but then yeah I feel like if anything a a lot of time my dad would be like oh did you what happened in New York or whatnot I was like I don't know and then he 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 like follows all the news and they're often telling me about things happening even in the U.S. that are just like beyond my scope and sure. like more on top of things.
0: Well, you're also not on social media. Is this
1: not really correct?
0: I, I mean, because ha-
1: to me, I mean, I
0: would yeah. say like because Chris was talking about something, and I'm like, well, you're not on social media, so you don't. Yeah. If you're not seeking out specific news, I mean, that's my experience. I see things come across my eyeballs
1: yeah i I have yeah no and so the big shift to that like i do have a facebook but i'm not very active on it Mm -hmm. uh i recently got an instagram and i was not at all active on it until uh, like until things happening past and right now and now like i do a regular job of checking it because it's a very like useful source of raw data that isn't that isn't edited or whatnot right and coming
0: through some filtered news thing okay all right so let's get to it so I asked you to come if you wanted to come on or be willing to it's funny because I always think like for guests I'm like will you please come on my podcast Mm -hmm. and you know I was happy that you were like yes I would love to um so it feels like um you know I have this little small platform I would love to um provide you a space to like talk to maybe a bigger audience. Um, So let's see. So I'm talking obviously about the Israeli Gaza situation. I'm trying to think about where to start. And I guess I'm thinking about history because obviously this is, it's like a blow up, you know, of stuff that's been going on. So for you, not just for you, but from your perspective and just where would you start because it seems like depending on where you I don't know like even the fact that from what I know even the fact that there's like another opinion about what's happening I'm like I don't know I it seems clear to me that this you know um, that Israel is overbearing and you know um, that land was taken you know whatever but but I don't know what 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 like story would you say? is important to know
1: um first thank you for having me it's typically the exact sort of thing that I would actually shy away from and would not (laughs) want to do um but it also feels like oh okay maybe like since this came my way this is like a I feel a small sense of responsibility not in any way that that I'm an expert on this and I don't know all the things but I no enough to have an opinion, and maybe I'll just like talk yeah, from my totally. personal like experience. And I think a place to start is with an analogy that I was uh, experimenting with. So bear with me. Like, I'll, we'll we'll see that we'll hash uh, it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just to frame the issue. Sure. Um, so here here's an analogy. Think of a a um, a spouse in an abusive relationship, right? And you have the two partners, and and the and the the wife is constantly being abused over years and years by the husband, uh, whether verbally, sexually, actively like being beaten. Kids are being abused for years and years, and then one morning the wife wakes up, and she attempts to stab the husband. The authorities walk in in that moment, and that's what they see, and they arrest the wife and whatnot. And I'll pause here. And looking at the story, looking at this, like, incident, and then looking at it without looking at the context of what happened, one version would be, oh, this person's a sociopath. She woke up and she stabbed her husband. Why would anyone do that? And then another version of that would be, like, oh, this person was, this is a person who, like, cracked and was, like, viciously being, was was being a, was being attacked by their husband, they cracked and they decided to do something that was also violent. Mm. Um and I feel like why I think this is helpful is because why I think this framework is helpful because it touches upon themes that come up, and I'll maybe like I'll mention them the I'll name the themes, but I'll think I'll name first like three reasons why I think it's helpful to like look at it from that context. One, because it affects how we think of the people, of the actors involved, right? A sociopath versus a person who has been abused it, like complicates the narrative, and then it gives them space for a different type of story. Two, it affects how we understand the problem. Was it was there were there unidentifiable triggers, or were there identifiable triggers to the problem? And then it affects also how we think what the solution to those problems might be. Right? If it's un- un- unidentifiable, if it's like oh, this is a soci- sociopath, you might have like a severe punishment uh, deterrent sort of thing where you were like, oh, we need to like crack down and like have on the that type. Or maybe you would decide to like invest in mental infra-whatever research on this like unknown, what po- could have possibly caused this person to do this right. versus creating a better system to deter the abuser in the first place right. and ways in which the abuse could also channel their whatnot. So without being like to Palestine in this scenario, it was obviously the abused, Mm -hmm. Um, is the Uh, abused spouse, it's been abused for years. And the acts committed by Hamas on October 7th were horrific, but they did not occur out of the blue. Um, And there were identifiable triggers and hamas needs to be held accountable for violations it has committed on october 7th and there are already things that are happening that people are very quick to do that but even more importantly if this like is ever going to be resolved so does israel uh there is just no way forward to my mind i i mean i who knows i don't understand how there could be like what the way forward would be but to my mind there is no there can't be any way forward without holding accountable the the abused in the scenario, the abuser mm-hmm. was right. committed multiple violators and that is Israel. Right. So with that backdrop, that was maybe longer than I attended it to no, be. That's great. Um, uh, so what happened what happened what happened in Palestine? What, why are the Palestinians the abused? What happened over the years that like create that led up to this moment? Well, the Palestinians, I'm sure this story is everyone everyone knows this probably by now because it's...
0: Well, if you're seeking it, I feel like, right? Because one of the things I was thinking about is I remember growing up, you hear about Israel and Palestine, Israel and Palestine. I mean, you just know that it's a mess in the Middle East or whatever for my upbringing. I remember in high school, a teacher trying to explain it to us, and it was the first time, like an adult in my life was like, giving us some backstory, some history, I remember nothing about it. I just remember an attempt at, like, getting at the complexities of what's going on. And I would say now I I am more aware. I feel like I have got the narrative. Like, I, I um, have watched things, seen things, read things, you know, whatever, where I'm like, okay, I, I think I understand what happened. But if I wouldn't have gone out or wasn't, you know, I – it's just it's it is staggering that because there are other people on who support Israel, let's say, and they have a different narrative and they're seeking their story somewhere else. You know, cuz it's now we have to like seek that. It's not just it's not being taught. It's not anyway. So I just want to like um please like explain away <laughs> because you know or or like like yeah. don't be like i wouldn't assume that everyone knows unless they've actively sought it i guess okay. is the point
1: i feel like a lot of the time people say that this is such a complicated topic and it is in many ways there are complicated dimensions but the essence of what happened is not that complicated right uh uh and um and it's and one way you could look at at it and at least like for me it's as part of this like colonial project, right? Colonialism existed in where Europe countries in Europe would go and they expand into others' countries and they use the sources and they exist Egypt was a British colon like they the British came and they would have their own Legal system Mm -hmm. in which they are there, they would have their educational system. They would come and have privileges that are denied to the Egyptians. They would control the army, etc. So, like as part of this like era where it was like white men, white people going out to civilize the world, the story of Palestine fits in that, but it's like kind of different. So, like the 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 at a time when they were creating these like mandates and creating dividing up the countries between themselves that uh, that is like UK and and France and this and this was would be happening like towards the like beginning of the twentieth century. Um then you have this issue. You have you have okay, you have everything that's going persecution that's happening with with uh with with Jews in Europe and that was still like pre World War One, uh, pre World War Two, so mm-hmm. pre Nazis. Um, and things are happening, but there's still like anti Semitism everywhere, and it's a problem, it's a growing problem. And among that population, um, you have a question of like, oh, should we just all go somewhere else? Should we um, move somewhere else? And if we're it, not wanted in all these spaces, there is there a place we yeah. can go? <laughs> And and the British take up that question, and the and, uh, and and the and the Jewish population, which is a white Jewish population, right? So one way of thinking of it is a bunch of Europeans decide, oh, things are not working well for us here. Let's go, um, let le- let's go somewhere else. And then another white person is like, oh yeah, let's go and look at this like Palestine. And this goes back to like Herzl. He's not the first person who, to talk about. Zionism and the establishment of a, a Zionist state in Palestine, but he is the one who, like, gave it this big push and momentum. And then... Um, feel Do like you know,
0: in, can I just ask, like, why that area was... I guess why, like, why that um, was there chosen?
1: Were, with, there were a lot... There were, when they were talking, there, it wasn't just Palestine. There were other areas in, like, okay. Latin America, and there were other options that were being contemplated. Palestine made sense because there was, like, a historical... Like, it was seen as the, like, land of Zion. And I don't know enough about, like, the... Like, like
0: early biblical early, early times biblical. or, so like, Old referen- Testament Yeah, types
1: exactly. Types like, types. referencing, like, Old Testament being like, oh, this is where we are. But the reality was it wasn't actually people who were living there, right? Like, it wasn't necessarily... Like, unlike... It wasn't... It was white Europeans or Jewish Europeans, yeah. but still belonged to this, like, white man, European... Mm-hmm. White man's burden era uh, who decided that that would be a better uh, th- that oh let's go there and and I feel like, Maybe I'll make that point a little bit later. But they come and they um, they come and they look at Palestine and there are people living there, but they just don't acknowledge the people. And they're like, "Oh, is this a good place? Oh yeah, that's a good place." And it's like white people amongst each other making these decisions and are just referring to the people who are living on the land as a non-Jewish population. That's the Balfour Declaration, 1917, first time when they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you could go, you could go live there. That that that's okay by us." That's the British saying to mm-hmm. the Zionists, and no one's consulting the people on the ground. No one's taking their opinion, so they start migration, and that that land is ninety percent, if not more, it was like predominantly overwhelmingly occupied by Palestinians, mm-hmm. Arab Palestinians at the time, and the Jews start immigrating over periods, and the the percentage of they're still a minority up until 1948, which was when the state of Israel was established. They were still a minority but a growing minority because of this influx this growing influx and i feel like i want to pause here because there's a difference between right like i immigrated to the us right but i'm not coming to the us and saying like i want to create a different uh uh like i i want to create a different country here i want to mm-hmm. like be i want to create an a dinastan yeah. in here and to replace the people who are already but those are people who are coming not to assimilate not mm-hmm. to become part of this existing country, but there are people who are coming there to replace it. They mm-hmm. have a different project, and that's where it comes. To, uh, th- th- this is where it differs, right? So, like colonial colonial states, colonial era, the British are there's a Britain, and they want to extend their reach, and they create. And with Algeria, France, mm-hmm. there's a France, and they want Algeria to become. the go and send like. Settlers and there are different types of co- uh, colonialism. We don't need to go into that, but like <laughs> when people start talking about settler colonialism, it's just right. like you you have a main place and then you want to have ex- people go yeah. and create another place, uh, other settler uh, settlements, so they could like live elsewhere and mm-hmm. enjoy the benefits of there and like whatever have like a broader. I
0: mean, it's very similar. One of the first uh, similarities I thought of was obviously the settlers in America and the Native Americans and like, you know, the oppression over time in, in that they're not even, they could never um, launch any sort of retaliation, you know, at this point, they're so depleted and deprived and, se- and separated, you know, throughout our country. But it's a similar thing of like, oh, this is ours. Like someone told us we could just come here and settle it and we'll kill you if you, Uh, get in our way like that's kind of
1: and I I, and I feel like many people have made that analogy and I don't know enough about like early U.S. history and what Mm -hmm. happened but I know that that is a thing that that is like an that 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 is how the U.S. started that it came and replaced the people who are there and created a different
0: yeah they weren't coming to start living like the Native Americans they were coming to put you know their religion their culture their everything Um, so anyway so I guess I'm curious- well, I'm sure you're gonna get to this, but but there obviously it's one country or one area, and they're living together, or right away, there's some like separation between like is are Jewish people pushing out Palestinian people, or are they just all kind of living amongst each other
1: so before, before. Before the establishment of the state, before mm-hmm. Israel like declared 1948, there was an agreement by the League of Nations, which is the predecessor, or maybe it was the UN at that point, had it already been established as the UN, uh, that decided, okay, let's divide the land. You have this like really prominent Jewish uh, uh, Jewish minority, and 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 they that who wants to come and live in this land, it has and a that,
0: support of.
1: And have the support of all of the imperial powers, who are at the time early 20th century, as they supported the 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 migration of Jews into Palestine. They themselves were not opening their doors for Jewish immigration into their own land. So mm. that is also like there's this, this like European problem, anti-Semitic problem that created that created this whole situation, or was part of what created this whole situation. And then the solutions to that problem was export to now one of the world's most problematic areas, the Middle East, where there's all these infighting, but it's because there was this transplant transplanting of a problem as the solution like the brunt of that solution was carried by a region that had no did not play any role in creating right. it in the first place. Sure. And the way that it happened was not by consulting the people who were there, even though there were people there, and they decided, OK, let us now, 1947, OK, you there there are people, Jews, you want to live there? OK, great. Let us partition this land and divide it, divide it into almost 50-50, but with less, actually, than 50% of it going to the Palestinians, who are the native Palestinians, the people who are living on the ground. Mm-hmm passings obviously reject this because it is their land they were living you are in your house and someone comes in and says i want to live here and you say no thank you we're not we're not we're not actually like renting mm-hmm. and then the person's like comes in and they just take a room and they start living in and they invite their relatives and it's more and more people in that house and you're becoming like oh what's going on you call the cops and the cops are like oh yeah we're going to take them out but no one's actually doing anything and then at some point that person the the people who was a visitor they kick you out Mm -hmm. or or then and they're like you can take the room upstairs fine let me concede you can take one of the rooms upstairs and you live there obviously no one's gonna in there any normal person would not accept that arrangement because it was their house right it was their land right um and so that happens. Um, Palestinians reject it. Israel says, oh, I'm going to start, we're going to start our state. And that's when the state starts. And then there's the 1948 war. And there was massive displacement of Palestinians before and after the war. And that is the Nakba, the catastrophe that the Palestinians served in that they were pushed out. And there are different strategies that were used. And there was, before that point, there wasn't an Israel, an Israeli military. So mm. it was so it was Jewish militias right similar to how we talk and think about Hamas now because there isn't a Palestinian state not Mm -hmm. really Uh, there are occupied territories but and Palestine doesn't have an army so like the, what was going on then was being done by like Jewish militias pre that point, and there were lots, and they were also titled and labeled as terrorist groups mm-hmm. at that time, where they would go into and push people out of their land. Maybe one in one in one village, they would massacre people there as a way, to, and people would get super scared in other neighboring territories, and they would start leaving. Mm-hmm. Or, fe- and, and lots of people left out of fear because, mm-hmm. similar to the, like, what's happening right now. Some people left out of fear because they don't want to, like, die. They hear horror stories about this Jewish militias, what they did in that neighboring village. they like, oh, let's just, like, move till this is all settles mm-hmm. and we'll come back. But then they're pushed out and they never come back and they're never allowed to come back. Mm-hmm. And this is part of... Um, This is part of the trauma that is the Palestinian trauma, in my understanding, is this like being pushed out, which is why at the beginning of all of this, when it was like, oh, we're giving you warning, leave your houses. Whenever they leave, they're never allowed to come back. And this is part of the ongoing problem of like, all the people who lived, like 750,000 people who lived in the land and were pushed out of their land in the process of creating the Israeli state, they were never allowed to come back, and this is important because um, the Israeli state is self-identifies. It wants to create a, a, a Jewish state, right? It cannot be a Jewish state unless there is a Jewish majority. Mm. So it cannot exist as a state unless as a, cohabitating with uh, other right. people. Otherwise, it will be like. Well, it, like an, I don't know what, uh, it cannot be a Jewish state where sure. the majority of the people aren't Jewish. Sure. Um, so then necessarily they had to push out people and then they don't allow them to come back. Contrast this with the fact that any Jewish person in the world, doesn't matter where they're from, they're welcomed to Israel and they can come and gain full access, full citizenship into Israel. Uh, so like if you're in a you you're in America well whatever if you're from like I think in America too
0: I mean I've America. seen articles where yeah, yeah they're like you know what I want to go be yeah in a I place know. where we are with our you know people
1: Yeah, but if you're Palestinian, you can't go. Right. This goes back to like something we were talking about about the visas and like needing mm-hmm. to travel or one of those. Like as a Palestinian, not even you're not allowed to go back to your to, uh, to your land. I don't know about the details. I feel like oh, I, there are a lot. There are Palestinians who live here who would be able to like talk about their experience going into and out of Palestine and have mm-hmm. that experience. uh I've never been. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be problematic to go on an Egyptian passport too. You would be blacklisted or wh- whatnot. Uh, Israel, at least, why? Um, well, what's this the is, tension there? Well, this is an interesting question because it has to do with, and that could be like a tangent because it's a sure. whole other like. But like, so for example, now in Egypt, I can't go out and protest uh, in support of Palestine, at least not in masses. There were protests, but they're very small and they're very like limited because the government cracks down on it because it cannot deal with how overwhelming the support is of the population and of the citizens to the Palestinian cause and against the Israeli state. Mm. And if you have a government, if it's overwhelmed by that, then it creates a crippling effect. And it could trigger, because there are also other problems going on in Egypt, it could trigger something else. like It's it, like
0: destabilizing.
1: Super destabilizing. Mm. And the government can't really do squat. Yeah, It has to get U.S. approval and it has yeah. to get Israeli approval because we're... Cur- this is a whole other bag of worms, but like <laughs> Egypt is such has bec- become so like incapacitated. Like one of the things, like Egypt is the second uh, across the world. Like it's borrowing more. The like, I don't know how to phrase it, but it's like not borrow. bar. It's the second highest borrower of funds oh, sure. in the so world. So it's like indebted to indebted, yeah. and the first and the first country is like uh, Ukraine, yeah. is a country in war. So Egypt is super indebted and. Um, and anyways, there, well, and so
0: they're also at the mercy of these borrow, you know, people yeah. who are borrowing them,
1: and and stuff, specifically yeah. to also to Israel, like Egypt used to export mm-hmm. gas, for example, to Israel, and there was like a pipeline between where Egypt would export it to Israel, and that was a major problem that like the government did it for whatever economic mm-hmm. practical reasons. But it was a hush-hush always because if it's out, known amongst the public, the public will protest. But anyways, after 2011 and the revolutions in Egypt and there was uh, a lot of... Uh, in Egypt and other places in the Arab world, that pipeline halted. And later in the 2000s, like sh- maybe it was 2018, that pipeline started working again, but now Israel is the one who's exporting gas to Egypt. And Egypt has a massive... Like there are power outages mm-hmm. that are increasing... And it's super dependent on that gas to, to, for other things, infrastructure and day-to-day life. So, like, it's complicated. Yeah.
0: Can I ask, because um, I'm trying to think of, are there just a lot of Palestinians that now live in Egypt, you know, that were from Palestine? Or is this because the religion, like, they're Muslims? Like, what what's the common thread that... Egyptians, like the populace, would be in support of the Palestinians?
1: Well, there's something... Well, it's not... Lots of reasons. They're not just like Palestinians and just a point that Palestinians who, uh, in, in Palestine are not just Muslims. Okay. There's a, there's a substantial Christian minority. They are also being attacked mm-hmm. by the Israeli forces. There was a recent story about like someone who was had like a mother and her child who were hiding in a church because their house was bombed mm-hmm. and they were killed by the Israeli military. And the Pope came out with a statement condemning things happening in Israel. So there's definitely a substantial, um, um christian minority is not just muslims mm-hmm. as to the relationship rafah which is half of it is in egypt and half of it is in uh, oh, okay. palestine rafah is uh, uh you and this is something that i didn't know until recently you get like dual citizenship oh, okay. with you if you're born in rafah and there's a sp- always a special like if you go to a government uh building and there's like immigration there's like oh if you're an egyptian you go here if you're a foreigner you go there if you're a palestinian you go there so there's always like the palestinian cause there it's like different because mm-hmm. you don't have the same you don't have a state it's not the same There are like bureaucratic and hurdles that make their the, it a special case and how you incorporate but mm-hmm. all of that aside I think the main reason people sympathize with the Palestinian cause is because it's just like a very basic human sentiment to like, this is a major violation. This is as part of like the story of colonialism. This is the last colonial project that is existing up until today. How is this even like possible? The whole thing started and you have generations and different generations would deal with it differently like i know my dad like knows the names of the resolutions by name mm, of the, mm-hmm. of the of how it was partitioned it's just so part of the fabric of the narrative of like how things turned out to be and it's part of why everyone understands in the region it's commonly understood that the existence of israel in this region is a big part of a lot of the problems that are going on. Like sure. Israel, Israel is often heralded as this only democracy in the region, which is such a false statement because it's a military police. Like the way the way that they, um, it's it's just like it's an it's an apartheid regime where they're using there's different rules for different types of people based on their ethnicity based on their. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and 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 there are different parts of Palestine that are governed by different ways Gaza was the Israel like they unilaterally decided to leave Gaza they had settlements there as well similar to how they have them in the West Banks where there were Jewish settlements amongst the Gaza but then they decided that was like untenable and they pulled out in 2005 but that pulling out they were like okay now it's your you have elections you deal with it but when Hamas came as part of that and the Hamas came to power in in the in the Gaza strip then um uh then they were like oh no if it's Hamas we can't deal with it blockade and it's like Gaza is often described as the world's open, um, um, uh, biggest open air prison, prison. and some people think that that description doesn't even do it justice because it's a concentration camp where, like, in lots of places, you can't—you're just like living living in refugee camps, but then those refugee camps sort of become your permanent habitat Mm -hmm. by virtue of time going by. So when did
0: Gaza? When did? Because I just—I'm not super great on my history of this but fairly recently I mean in the history of it all that Gaza became what, what it is uh, like the open air prison like that there's a crackdown so and that a, was
1: more after 2005 so Gaza was okay. all part so the 1948 partition divided 48% of the like the land to Palestinians and 52% or something like mm-hmm. that to the Israeli state. But then there was the war, and Israel ended up taking up more war. Gaza was one of those territories, so it's like, it's fragmented. It's not all jointed. There's Gaza at the mm-hmm. bottom, and that borders Egypt. And then there is the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jerusalem was m- meant to be this, like, neutral both state, uh, both, both, yeah, belong to both state or whatever. Yeah. It's a very weird, like, situation and and then uh, 1967 war. Then Israel uh, then Israel gained more land. It, it basically occupied all of Palestine and the Sinai region. Occupied Egypt as part of its uh, uh, wins of yeah, war, war of yeah mm-hmm. of, of that in 1967. And then that all Egypt the Sinai came back, and then there was like as time went back. And I actually can't quite remember the point of when when Gaza was returned when Gaza and the West Bank were returned uh to Palestinian authority but the the Gaza's an open air prison mm-hmm. was 2005 after they pulled out well, after Isra- the Israeli government pulled uh, pulled out of Gaza mm-hmm. um so that's what are we like 16 years yeah seven Yeah, 16 17 years and um and I feel like there, I can point you to sources that describe how horrific it, it already was there, mm-hmm. and it was. And and life goes on, right? People, you put people somewhere and they'll live, and if, especially yeah. if they have no other choice, so they' mm-hmm. will be adapted. Yeah, there'll mm-hmm. be like schools and whatnot. But it was everyone was pre October seventh, pre the ground invasion, and everything that's happening now in Gaza. Already, Gaza was being cited as like there's a hum- It's on the brink of a crisis. Like right. this is not sustainable. People are living. They can't live like that. Right. And now with everything that's going on, part of what's so frustrating about this moment is that there are all these discussions that are pleading with the U.S. to just let have a UN Security Council um, to pause the fight, to pause, to pause what's going on, not to pause, to end it. Yeah, ceasefire. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just like the bare minimum. That's like saying, oh, stop bombing so we could just take like all the infrastructure is devastated. So many people died and everything, the whole, I feel like I keep, I'll I'll go back to that like example, the framing that I started with because everyone, part of why the U.S. keeps Stopping those resolutions from going. Already vetoed two secu- UN Security Council resolutions that are calling for a ceasefire, and, and the Security Council in the UN is the only body that it has the ability to attempt to enforce. So it mm-hmm. could put grounds, put like troops UN, on the ground, troops on the ground, mm-hmm. and to attempt to like stop uh, Israel or whatnot. But it's been vetoed because as part of it is this like. <sighs> this is like stupid even like it's like inherent in the structure of international law that is governing this whole thing Mm -hmm. is that there are five permanent members Mm. of the un security councils and they're the only members that have the power to veto if they say no nothing's gonna happen Mm. so that is like also a legacy of this white man man a burden granted like obviously like part of those it's It's U.S., U.K., and France, but there's also China and Russia. But this this big superpowers, they get to decide. And no one in this in this issue uh, on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, no one like abuses their power to veto as much as the U.S. And I had and I have some numbers that I could open up my Mm -hmm. computer and cite that it was like since um, that the that there were like 36 resolutions on. Israel Palestine and 34 of those were vetoed by the US always in favor of Israel. It's yeah. always stopping like doesn't want any condemnation, doesn't want. Like I don't understand. Do
0: you do you know why that is? Like what's your is there a reason or even just an opinion you have about why the US is so like joined at the hip with Israel? Honestly,
1: I have I have no idea. There are like I'm reading I'm reading uh, Rashid Khalidi's like Hundred Years' War, mm-hmm. and like they ha- he has like interpretations, and there are different factors. Like oh, part like he, that's not part of his analysis, but other people like Nura Araqat, and like there are people who would cite oh, they're as part of this like balance of power in a um, era leading to communism whatever like I, I I feel I do feel like I'm not educated mm-hmm. enough to know to even begin to comprehend yeah. why the U.S. is taking adopting that po- uh, policy even people who are like in the know like this feels beyond yes. reasonable this does not seem like it's in the interests of the u.s policy like joe biden's article where he's trying to explain and uh, and put like ukraine make an argument for why be involved in ukraine and in israel it is so i think he just believes what he's saying i think he just Mm -hmm. believes that is the like morally right thing to do i don't understand if he lives like in a cave or yeah or the people who are surrounding him but like you can't the U.S. is now in a like minority position in the world it has been for a while but it just has a louder voice and because of the structure of the veto it keeps stopping everyone like two security council decisions have been vetoed uh by the U.S. UN general assembly like the 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 I forget the title of the person, the main U.S., per, uh, the U.N. person, but anyways invoking Article 99 for the first time in his terrain and, like, for the fourth or fifth time across the history of the U.N., where it's like, this is a major, this goes beyond. There's, mm-hmm. like, a humanitarian crisis we need, and they voted in the General Assembly, and the overwhelmingly 152 states voted for, and it was only 10 states who voted against. No, maybe it was even less.
0: I feel like it was four. Yeah, it was I don't like, know. It, it was something really minor. A, maybe
1: it was ten who abstained. I can't remember Some. now the numbers, but like U.S., Israel, and a bunch of like really small states mm-hmm. uh, it was like a handful. And the U.S. keeps vetoing. And right now there is another attempt at the U.N. Security Council uh, that, that the U.S. is just that they're trying to get the U.S. to vote on, and they keep postponing. They're postponing. They're delaying mm-hmm. from day to day. Um,
0: well, I think one of the narratives I've heard is like we can't tell Israel how to handle.
1: Oh my! They're like
0: because they were attacked, right? So we're not going to.
1: But but that goes back to this whole if you're abu- like right. Israel has been totally. abusing the Palestinians like for the number. Well, of it's people like dying. saying
0: like like okay, the, so the wife stabs the husband, and now we're going to allow him to like do whatever he wants to her right. because it, yeah. she did stab him.
1: You can't you know? just keep like, beating and beat and, right. and this is like even though the scale of this time is uh, of what's happening now is unprecedented, this is like the, the story of like, this is what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like every time the uh, Palestinians, whether it's Hamas or before that, Fatah or anyone tries to resist what is an occupation on their land, like trying to resist the, what that like means and looks like. And there's so many stories and narratives of what it means. Like I could recommend you like watch their, their little films, short films mm-hmm. on Netflix. Um, that you could watch that like show like in the West Bank what it looks like to go through um, to go through every day having to go through these checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what started that. So.
0: Oh, I was just saying that one of the U.S. narratives
1: oh, yeah, initially was
0: that, you know, well, we can't tell them how to handle their
1: but like, they, yeah. they but they can't, but they can't tell the Palestinians. Right. like they can tell the Palestinians that they're like, oh, we want like elections, but it has to be the person who has to come into power has to be this. We're going to negotiate a two-state solution, which is untenable at this point. What
0: can I just ask what is a two state solution?
1: I feel like or do I know? feel like we're two like s- small fish talking about the like a super complicated. <laughs> but, like, Two-state solution would be... I, my understanding is that the two-state solution would be along the lines of the 1967 borders, okay. which is 22% of... But, but this, not the original split, All which right. was... A, it's a worse split. Yeah. That's after 1967 because the Israel already got the like Golan Heights and they claimed them, they annexed them and they claim that the, there's, the international law and international community refers to this as occupied territory. Mm-hmm. And as the p- Palestine like West Bank and Gaza, even Gaza, which went back and Israel said that they pulled back, it's still occupied territory by Israel because Israel controls everything, controls right. how much water, how much food, how much anything, the control of movement of people going in, that's controlled by Israel. So it is the political entity that is responsible for everything that's going on yeah. uh, um, there. Um what was Oh yeah So then But then like The US feel Oh and the, the US was uh, Saying oh the We can talk about Like two state Or whatever we talk, But it only with Hamas Can the US Even like imagine Saying oh We'd only deal with Israel But If I don't know This person Is in charge Like it's so presumptuous Even mm-hmm. in like Biden's Like it's just like There's so many things That are wrong With this narrative But Yeah <laughs> Um Um well, no, it's also,
0: it's it's taking, I mean, it's keeping the power where the power always has been. And part of that as a colonial, like, as a country who was built on taking over, like, I just always feel like we don't want to, like, we can give lip service to the fact like, oh, we we shouldn't have, like, committed genocide against Native Americans. That was so long ago. Like, they can never go fully into, like, holy moly like yeah like the roots of these you know countries are the way that the world is you know um that was wrong like we shouldn't have because then that would give like footing to anyone who's like oh good point let's start getting some of that land back let's start getting more benefits to you know in our country would be like native americans like like if if they support um the colonized rather than the colonizer we are the colonizers, you know? So it's like, it can't, you can't support the, the people that you've also victimized, and ultimately. Are, yeah,
1: there are people who are making that argument and are saying that that's like, US cannot because it is doing, it has done the same thing and it's at a point where there's no going backwards. This is like ongoing. And what does yeah. it mean for it to stop doing that? I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like that could be, I feel like there are enough voices that are now yeah. and there are enough ways that they're addressing. I mean, not enough, nothing's yeah. gonna be enough, but like,
0: Well, it is. I mean, it's the other example, like why this is frustrating, I think, is to see the populace feels a certain way, right? Like the majority of Americans, majority of the world or, you know, people polling or whatever, like, no, this is too much. This is crazy. The UN, the whatever. And then to see that we our representatives that they say we're electing in a democracy, you know, to do our will are not doing our will and obviously that happens in small and big ways all the time. But this is an example of that where it's like I think most people can see that this is too much. It's ridiculous. Obviously tens of thousands of innocent people um are dying being cur- killed <laughs> actively. Um and that that are yeah the govern it really is up to the governments though to to find a reason you know there has to be something in it I guess
2: and I feel like this touches upon
1: an an important point which is the lack of accountability and what that means to international law and to the behavior of states in this world where up until the 40s or whatever the, like there was a moment after two world wars when mm-hmm. there was like abuse of so many laws that we know are like right the, the right. convention on genocide What didn't necessarily exist before well, but that doesn't mean that genocide didn't exist before but people right. sat down and were like okay we need to set some ground rules because as states we have an overwhelming power and militaries and shit so like we need to set some ground rules of things that are no-nos that we can't do so we can function in this new world of nation states right. the nation state is the unit and you have certain powers and you're allowed to do certain things but let's agree on like ground some rules some very basic and then, yeah. but then within that is like an agreement that if someone violates those rules, then there needs to be a way to re- have have the, hold them accountable to yeah. them. This has not happened for Israel and has not happened over the years. So like imagine now with everything that's going on now and the ask that is such a controversial ask for the U.S. is just stop fighting. No one's even talking beyond, right? No one's talking beyond like, how are you going to make it up for? All, how do you even make it up for all the people who died, and and the houses that they the, the houses the the places that they lost they they lost. I feel like words don't really capture this, and even to me, when I hear those words, we you hear them so often that they end up ringing hollow and they mm-hmm. no longer have any mm-hmm. meaning. But that's why I said going to some like Instagram and seeing the videos, just like one clip. Of like what it means, right? right? If this is a war, if Israel is defending itself, mm-hmm. um, because it wants it wants to kill Hamas, mm-hmm. every every child it kills, and every sister and every brother and every father and every mother it kills is feeding the idea of Hamas. Mm-hmm. There are polls, and I don't know how accurate these polls would be given everything that's going on, and how can you like but that like Hamas wasn't necessarily Hamas is like, right when Hamas creed, it was first created it was like an armed resist, it was armed resistance but it grew in, into a political movement and then the Qassam brigades are the like armed branch of that broader Hamas mm-hmm. whatnot. But then so the people had like conflicting uh, opinions maybe about Hamas they didn't like how it governed when it governed and that was never part of the rule but they like maybe liked that it was the only body that was. Standing up for them and still fighting. They're not just saying, okay, it's been so long. Let's just like live as sheep and live as like in this like abominable situation and like go on. There's always something for like people who stand up for you, right? You like the person who like stands up for you. Well,
0: it's validating your experience. Right. Instead of saying like, oh no, this is fine. This is as good as it
1: gets. Right. Deal with it. They're saying. You can hope for more. This wasn't where we started or whatnot. Yeah. And there could have been more complicated, like oh, for against, should we use this? Should we do that? And 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 Hamas had shown other means and other ways, was showing willingness. There was a shift in in in, in leadership of the Hamas, and they were showing willingness of switching tactics and not exclusively relying on armed resistance. And they, well, there was the March of Return, 2008, 17, 2018 and where and hundreds of people went out and they were asking right for the basic right of return we need like palestinians to come back and we need to have our own sovereignty over our own land mm-hmm. uh and it was they were people israel also shot on them even though it was a peaceful demonstration also israel also killed lots of people uh um lots of palestinians in response to that so then but now with everything that's going on and how they're trying to kill hamas mhm you can't kill Hamas because Hamas is an idea. Even if you kill mm-hmm. the leaders of Hamas who are purporting, there others will come out. And this has been part of what the, like, I don't know, the mowing of the lawn of the Israeli. They're like, okay, it's fine. We can't fully contain it. The grass will always grow back, but we'll just cut it. It'll mm-hmm. grow back and we'll cut it. We'll grow back and we'll cut it. Just be in a constant state of this war. This being, the, yeah, that is just like it, it's it's the reality of how it is until maybe like we throw some poison sometime and maybe the grass is not gonna grow. So mm-hmm. like even, this has been going on over and over again. So imagine this moment after all of this settles, if it settles, and who knows how long it goes, and then the U.S. finally says, "Oh, ceasefire," which is gonna be this huge win, but it's such a man, me- yeah. <laughs> it like brings us way below the, the 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 zero starting point and then people are like oh great it's a ceasefire people are like oh bernie sanders finally came out and said ceasefire and it's oh cons- biden I mean? and no bernie sanders oh bernie
0: also- oh because right because yeah. he was also yeah he was also
1: not he was not saying using the word right right uh and, and then it's going to be this point and then everyone's going to forget about it and it's going to dissipate and it's going to turn into politicians trying to talk and figure out, is Israel, is is, is anyone asking the question of whether Israel will be held accountable, right? Like all the things that US, the U.S. is vetoing isn't even going into the question of, okay, Netanyahu and all the people, like, you're committing... There's war crimes. War crimes, right. Is anyone filing... Like There have been cases filed in the ICC before th- what's happening now against those specific people, and then the the prosecutor didn't even pick up the case. Right. Right. Whereas Hamez does this, and he picks up the case in a second. He goes and visits Israel, does not visit Palestine, and he makes statements in support of uh, whatever conclusion that is supposed to come... After an investigation, a thorough investigation, mm-hmm. after going through the, de- the the details, right? This is ideally what you want to have. like if something wrong goes, then you want a platform that is a neutral pr- platform. Right. And both parties have like Israel doesn't think it thinks the UN anything that the UN body is like biased against Israel. Mm-hmm. Palestinians, like ICC, they're not taking up the case they're not there's always a ceiling to how much you can accomplish because there is always going to be this threat from the US. And Israel of 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 pulling out or whatever repercussions that they might have against them. So right. if you don't have the system, after everything settles, and then Israeli politicians are not held accountable to what happened mm-hmm. to what happened, and the soldiers on the ground are one, and things dissipate, and there's still no response to the Palestinian. And fast forward a year, and then the people who are left there on the ground, the Palestinians who are there, they remember because they can't forget because they lived through this, right? And lost their whole families and... People yeah, have houses. been yeah. losing the, like, tens, like, the entire families right. in mm-hmm. the process of this happen. So they're not going to forget. And you let that sit for a second and then there's no repercussions for the people who did this so like the the ha- hamas who committed this on october 7th already they paid the price right they, they have a legal a prosecution against them and they have a case and they are wanting to go into okay what happened and but then they're also killing them. So the abusive husband, it's not just that you're trying the house, the, mm-hmm. the wife who, who attempted to stab right. the person. No, but the, then you're not at all doing anything with the abusive husband right. and you're letting him kick the wife and the kids right. and all the family that's related to the wife over and over again as a right of self-defense because she attempted to stab him. Right. Nothing about this conversation addresses the root causes of what caused this problem in the first place. And after this settles, if nothing happens, everyone who's left on the ground is just going to be more food. I can't imagine. like They're going to become Hamas or whatever other extreme version of it because you can't just live. Well, it's trauma. It is.
0: That trauma, you know, that as... I mean, it's interesting to me even when you were saying, like, you know, they don't want to just submit, you know, to that life, you know, in Gaza or whatever and being occupied. And so that's such an American thing to be like, yeah, like we, you know, fought for our independence and revolution and whatever. And like the more you know about the narrative we have now is like, oh, they were terrorists. They would have been called terrorists now, like the revolutionaries, right? And so it's so like stunning to me this um like the obviousness of what's going on and then the spun narrative about you can just call them uh you know terrorists you can use you know that word you can um even like you know when they talk about like hamas being under you know having all the underground tunnels and stuff like oh they're so sneaky and like they want you know they're trying to make this humanitarian crisis and whatever at the same time i mean i truly don't know enough about like Hamas and what their intentions are if they care that all these people are getting killed or whatever is also like as a therapist I work with traumatized people and I especially when I think of children you know who grow up in trauma yeah they're the ones who act out in school or you know they're the bad ones that end up in juvenile detention centers or whatever and it's like we're just on the cusp of understanding that that they don't need punishment, you know. They need validation of their experience and like help processing trauma. And this is like to me what's happening on this global level. Of um, we would never want a human being that just submits to a life of abuse and neglect and starvation and whatever. Right? We we love those stories of people who rise up or whatever. And that's what's happening. And then it's like no 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 no. You're just supposed to be happy and feel lucky, I guess, that you get to live in a, I mean, even, even like the videos and stuff, I'm like, it's just concrete like shitholes, you know? I mean, there isn't like a thriving, um, you know, city or whatever, right? It, and it's like the most populous, like concentration of a population like in the world or something like that. I mean, it's just, yeah. yeah. So I do want to get to, um, and thank you for like going through all of that. Um, what is happening locally? Like and and also just as citizens here in the U.S., other than voting, which seems a lot of things seem to come down to, like what what can we do? What is our responsibility?
1: uh that's a good question. I will address like at least part of it locally. There's like a local group, Driftless Palestinian Solidarity, which rose after the of what happened on October seventh, um, and it. Mainly, the way that it manifested itself was through weekly protests from eleven to twelve at the intersection between um, Decker and Main Street, just by mm-hmm. maybe Lately's. Um, that's been the main way, but we we've been meeting and talking about um, ways in which to engage more, like through education. There's a Facebook page. Oh, okay. That there there's a Facebook page that has like some educational material, and we're hoping to like work more with that. Um, there were attempts there was going to be we like supported the library event that happened but it wasn't like our group that uh, held it oh okay yeah we weren't
0: here or I wasn't available for that how did that go?
1: Um, um, I I thought that went well but then the library in, in, in its aftermath and this is not at all to like there are like ongoing conversations with the libraries and the library has been like a, a great place in wanting to host. And I feel like I understand the pressures of the library might be like under, but they canceled our other event. We were going to show a movie, a mm-hmm. little short film called Ghazan Context. And it was going to be a showing and then people could like discuss what did that make you mm-hmm. like, whatever, like a discussion. So we're hoping to engage more in, in like educational small group.
0: But are they feeling pushback to not well, I wonder like
1: that. that we that – it's an ongoing conversation that, okay. that has not been resolved. So the library gotcha. has expressed willingness to, like, host in the future, but they said they got negative feedback on the first event, but then oh. we are not sure what that feedback is. I don't want to be, like – I don't know what the word is, like
0: uh, – Yeah, you don't want to, like, slam the library or say yeah, they're not doing it Yeah, I don't want to slam the library,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, especially since, like, it's, it hasn't been, like, resolved, but yeah, no – so like engaging in ways like like that like short films uh, discussion groups where if possible meeting with Palestinians who live in the region and then like hearing from them their experiences living in the west bank even the west bank right west bank is not dominated by hamas but there's so many uh, uh there's so many arrests like uh, all the prisoner exchanges that are happening that have happening that predominantly have been like children why were children I there know. and it's administrative detention so they're being locked up not even going through due process and that's like a drop in the bucket of all the abuses over the years that has mm-hmm. been going on actually this reminds me and I know we're talking about like local initiatives but you did mention something that I feel like is a big yeah. trope mm-hmm. that I want to uh, yeah. address like human shields the idea of human shields mm-hmm. and how Hamas is doing it and if Hamas wants this to stop then they need to stop using their people as human shields this is a f- this is like also another like false trope that is um like if, if if you imagine um one of one of the people in the group uh, and uh a hypothetical that he likes experimenting with so i'm gonna quote him yeah. shout out to ron um <laughs> was that that he um uh, that if if if, if israel uh, if Hamas had burrowed those tunnels and went under like an israeli hospital or an israeli building like right uh, and it was under and it had israeli civil, civilians in there but it was still using the tunnels as a base from underneath um, would the Israeli government have like bombed the same way, oh, at, right. indiscriminate, discriminate way, and just with the justification being, well, there are terrorists in there. If like nine eleven, if if there are terrorist groups who went into the Empire Building or whatever yeah. here in, in the Capitol Building and they went and held it hostage, would the government would it be an appropriate response to bomb the entire building to get to the terrorists? The answer is no to right. these cases, and it wouldn't happen. And the fact that you're saying. The this uh, whole idea of like uh, human shields mm-hmm. it makes it so that if 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 Hamas or uh, attacks Israel and civilians die it's Hamas's fault. If Israel attacks Palestine and civilians die, uh, die it's also Hamas's fault. Sure. Whereas the reality is that it's the like the civilians are the people who are dying. Palestinian civilians are the majority of the people who are dying, and that is not even being denied by the Israeli mm-hmm. uh, army and the collateral damage. Is whatever few members of Hamas they're actually getting yeah. through. That. So, anyways, just-
0: which I just read, I think it was this morning about that none of the top officials of Hamas have even been killed or captured or anything. Like they're not even getting to the
1: no if we're people talk- that they're no, looking for. If we're talking about military officials, like October seventh. Of the twelve hundred who of the twelve hundred who were killed by Hamas, a third of those were military. So if you're talking about the ragtag group of Hamas, like as an armed resistance militia who don't have all this equipment, right? The Israeli like the Israeli the Israeli army goes like and any army knows you have a plan and you go into it and nothing usually things don't pan out the way you planned it. Mm-hmm. And the Israeli army prides itself out how it's one of the best like militaries in the world, very well disciplined and very well. Uh, trained or whatever and they go through all the scenarios and still shit happens when they go on the ground but sure. you can, can't control what's going on so if you compare what the best army in the world is doing and how the its collateral damage of civilians compared to its superpower mm-hmm. uh, military a- achievements to like the ragtag group of Hamas and when they went a third of the 1200 were military targets so if their targets if the collateral damage was the two thirds and this brings us to the, like this becomes like this like callous uh, conversation about like equation of human lives of civilian versus yeah. like military and it becomes like very distasteful or whatever the word is yeah but this is what happens when th- then it becomes this like oh self-defense they did this well anything they do they deserve sure. human shields they're doing their their civilians are dying they're dying because Hamas is hiding behind them no yeah. you own a, you you have responsibility right anyways and so, yeah yeah.
0: No, I think, thank you for um, like clarifying that or at least putting that in, in um, context and perspective because that's a good yeah, uh-huh. analogy. So anyway, local stuff, because I know you were also doing a petition.
1: Right. Like, And
0: people are calling representatives and stuff, which doesn't, to me, it sounds like a lot of pressure is being put on elected officials to no avail. And to me, it's not surprising because I feel like actually their need to please donors and stuff like that like i don't is that something that just hasn't panned out yet but there's still might or is that a avenue that's like we're not really finding purchase there like what's your experience so there's
1: the petitions the petitions were directed to tammy baldwin calling for a immediate, immediate and permanent ceasefire and stopping of funding of the uh Israeli army like US funding of the Israeli army Mm -hmm. and then there was a meeting but as we delivered the petitions there was a meeting of a staff member who came to Viroqua and like talked we talked for a while and then um and then there was actually like the Tammy Baldwin and this just happened and I read it uh but I haven't seen like she came out with a stronger position Mm -hmm. than there 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 was and 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 she called i think she may have called to a ceasefire though it may have been like watered down language like uh i I would have to like read but there was it has been like a very very recently something a change in position in taming baldwin i also don't know about all these things i'm super no i've never collected petitions i've never like these are my first like citizen Rights mm-hmm. um, uh, way uh, rights pra- practicing yeah. mm-hmm. practicing doing that, but there are other people in the in the in the group who are much more experienced sure. and are veterans and who like did uh, against the Iraq War, who did against the Vietnam War, and like they're bringing in all their knowledge and all their mm-hmm. um, input of how they dealt with this. Um, we're s- yeah, so there's that. There's the petitions going on, and we're hoping to continue as like a way first we were gonna like stop with collecting the petitions after we turned them in but then we're like it's a way of showing that there's growing support and growing numbers of people to do that as a signal to the politicians um right well we'll see you know it's still very new it's a still very small group but i feel like i've been impressed by how um quickly it's been growing and how much it's Wanting to like stay involved Like there's an understanding That this is, goes beyond a ceasefire The sure. ceasefire like it's not like Oh once there's a ceasefire Then everyone dissipates And mm-hmm. um that there needs to be like uh, Other ways of engaging the community And this yeah. like we're hoping There's like Layla Audal There's an artist that is coming And this is a uh, shout out to Mandy She mm-hmm. went to one of her shows She's a Palestinian I think Palestinian American But I guess I'm not sure mm-hmm. Uh Palestinian who at least lives in Egypt And in america in the u.s and had did a performance somewhere in wisconsin she's going to be coming to the Viroqua area and she's doing a dance uh, performance uh we're hoping to have more like palestinian like poetry yeah Uh, hoping to reach out to the library to have like more uh of like palestinian literature because of all the ways because people always ask oh why are they responding so violently other than that's like a question that's like hard to respond to when you're being in a situation where you're constantly being harassed there has been so many ways that the palestinians have been demonstrating uh like uh, opposing trying to show that they're not a homogenous there are differences of opinions there are ways through Mm -hmm. art through literature through like all the things Mm -hmm. through dance through marches peaceful marches through bds which then the u.s outlaws uh bds Mm -hmm. is boycott divest and sanction Mm -hmm. like there's so many other ways and it feels like this is a moment to like try to maintain the Palestinian presence that is like capturing the imagination of people right now that it's not just as victims it's not just as like there 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 needs to be some agency given and there needs to their voices to the to the all the ways that there are solutions this is all of them start with accountability and with acknowledging that horrors have been committed wrongs have been and violations have been committed by the Israeli state And they need to be held accountable. And I can't, I don't understand how there can be any way forward without that. So hopefully as a group locally be working, finding ways to Mm -hmm. foster that, just foster a sustained, a more sustained um, uh, presence. Yeah. of Palestine and the Palestinian cause and people's. Yeah, and the experience. Um,
0: my... If people are interested in learning more, you said there's a Facebook page? There is a Facebook And it's called page. just Driftless Palestinian uh, Solidarity? Is that
1: what you said? DPS, Driftless Palestinian Solidarity. Okay. I think,
0: yeah. And if they want to join, is information on there, like about meetings or anything
1: like yeah, that? Yeah, they can contact us and we can add them to the, there's a DPS mailing list, email. Email, e-mail list. Email list. Mm-hmm. and and where yeah you get like regular announcements of local things that are happening so like i think biden was recently in either in milwaukee very like a few days ago and there was like an attempt because there are other palestinian groups in different parts of wisconsin and they're all part of this the wisconsin coalition oh, okay. for palestine that's a brigger that's trying to like coordinate across Wisconsin and not just here. So it's all like growing. It's all the beginning and we'll see where it goes. But there is definitely like interest, not just like in Barroco, but beyond. Yeah,
0: great. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming in (laughs) and um, and just talking through all of this and answering my questions, you know, and like um, filling in the gaps. Really, I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, this is also a very busy week for everybody. So I'm really glad uh, we found some time to talk.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thanks again to Dina for coming in to have a chat and to share her perspective and her experience and her knowledge um, of the situation. I should note that um, probably within an hour or so of um, recording our conversation, um, Tammy Baldwin did come out with a statement um, asking for a ceasefire in the, um, Israeli Hamas war going on. So, um, yeah, I think the driftless Palestinian solidarity and the efforts they're making to, um, have their voices heard and their perspective heard is helping make that difference and push that needle. So, um, yeah, that's an update. And also since then, um, the fighting has gotten worse and Israel continues to bomb, um, innocent victims so um yeah we need to to um keep trying keep working keep using our voices all right everybody um like I said happy new year I hope um this year is filled with many blessings and much joy for each and every one of you and as always I will leave you with Elise Nicole take care everybody